Who's the most fashionable out of us three? Have you seen this thing he's bought? Oh <laughs> my god. That it's is so something. Fashion. Is fashion. that fashion? Well, I guess Chris is young, so is that is that like <laughs> is that what young people wear? <laughs> my heart just stopped when you said that. I guess like if you're gonna do if you're gonna do fashion if you're gonna do fashion if you're gonna do fashion, you might as well do it. Do you know what I mean? It actually. I actually quite like it, it but look, I like yeah, I like stuff you, like that. It looks really good on him. Yeah, it's cool. Go for it. Right, let's let's do a podcast. Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast that questions how modern work impacts our lives. The tools we use to work have changed drastically but how we work hasn't. In this podcast, we explore how we can make work work better for us. We're your hosts, me, Anna Codrarado. And me, Tiffany Philippou. This show isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. It was my birthday on the 23rd. And well, my big present to myself was paying my self-assessment tax bill. But um, I also took the day off. I put an out of office on that said it was my birthday and that I wasn't going to be working. And really interestingly, I took a screenshot of that and tweeted it out. And someone replied describing it as a political statement. Well, there you go. You're starting the birthday day off rebellion movement (laughs) yeah no working on birthdays in 2020 you heard it here first I actually didn't used to care about birthdays but I've been inspired by your enthusiasm for them and I think we should celebrate life and celebrate birthdays well there you go glad to hear it uh what have you what's been going on in your work world this week Tiffany Well, after last week's episode, which was about fear of success, go and listen if you've not done that yet. But in that, we're talking about how you felt like you were holding yourself back from reaching 100%. And what I then did after the episode is I wrote a newsletter about why where I asked the question why do we even need to reach our full potential why does it matter because I thought it was worth explaining or exploring that idea as well so that's in my last newsletter called the tiff weekly read it share it and do all that Uh, I really loved that post it really sort of took this concept that so many of us take for granted which is that we have to reach our full potential and it spun it on its head and I just thought it was brilliant. So we will stick a link to that in the show notes. And something else that I read this week that I thought was really, really brilliant was the journalist Vicky Spratt's article in Refinery29 on girl boss culture and how she hopes that 2020 will be will see the end of the term girl boss because it's infantilizing and it's derogatory to women in the workplace and it doesn't actually do much to help help progress women in their careers vicky's so right and that's that's why the piece resonated with so many people it, this culture is distracting from policy change and really meaningful change and that's very much in line with the views that we have on this podcast as well so thanks vicky 
and for I will stick a link to that in the show notes but also if people want to hear more from Vicky she was actually a guest on season one of the podcast and it's an episode all about it's called um, class privilege and our careers and it's all about how class privilege and where you went to school affects your work and it's been one of our most popular episodes so check that one out for more from Vicky. Vicky goes after the big topics doesn't she? Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't mess around. No she doesn't. (laughs) Should we get on with this week's episode Tiffany? Yeah I think it's my turn to go to Podherapy. What are we talking about today then, Tiffany? I've identified a problem which actually I was at your house when I realised how mad it was because someone else was there to see. But as we know, I'm quite new to this writing thing and I'm pitching more and working with editors and that's obviously a huge learning curve. But I sent off an article and then when they write back and they say edits attached, I always feel really nervous, which I guess is normal. But then when once someone, an editor said, can I call you? I suddenly, I presumed that I'd done something completely wrong. And anyone who's read what I've written about, it's it's quite first person narrative. Like there's not that much room to do something that's like, wrong or bad it was and obviously the call was just like oh can you like do quotes a bit differently or add more detail like completely reasonable stuff but what you identified when I was here was that I was basically afraid of getting I don't know of almost getting in trouble like I'd done something wrong and yeah sorry so I was, uh, the final thing I was going to say is I've noticed that I've repeatedly had that throughout my career and I think I suspect I might not be alone well, that's what we're going to delve into today because um, my diagnosis is that you have a fear of getting in trouble. So as you were talking, it and by the way, I have this too as well. Um, we'll get into how mine manifests later on in the episode. But as you were talking, it really reminded me of a column that the journalist Dolly Alderton wrote last year about this exact thing. And I'm going to read it to you because it really, really articulates, I think, exactly what we want to be talking about on today's episode. Recently, my friend Lauren and I had an exchange of profounding bonding and epiphany. Our tour manager knocked on our door and asked if she could have a word. We both looked at each other in panic, ashen-faced. It turned out that all she wanted was to do a sound check. Why Why did we react like that? I asked. Do you think we were in trouble? Yeah, Lauren replied, but I always think I'm in trouble. I felt like I'm in trouble every day since I left school. With one throwaway sentence, she had given me a diagnosis for a problem I've been walking around with for all of my adult life, but haven't been able to articulate. That feeling of harboring a shameful secret that you can't describe, but you know is about to be discovered. An enduring awareness that you've done something that deserves a scolding. A feeling of being on borrowed time, that you've cheated a system, committed a sin, or are living outside the law. And at some point very soon, you will be found out and reprimanded. Uh, I'm going to link to the column in the show notes because I think it's just so brilliantly articulated. But Dolly kind of describes it as um, I'm in trouble syndrome. And that piece 
got so much buzz and so much attention it went pretty much went viral on on social media and I mean that really clearly signals to me that Tiffany you're very much not alone in this fear of getting in trouble I mean I have it too um I've noticed that I used to have it a lot worse when I worked in offices particularly so for me always used to come up when I had to ask my bosses for time off I would just get really panicked and assume that I put in my request and that I'd get in some kind of trouble for it but anyway I so I went on a bit of an internet wormhole and I found so many reddit threads about this um and lots of people kind of in a panic writing up on writing on reddit that you know they have this thing where they just feel like they're constantly in trouble and what is it and then kind of like hundreds of responses to them so you're very much not alone and interestingly it seems at least from what i can gather from reddit threads it seems not just to manifest in a work context but also in social interactions um and very often it kind of comes from people whose parents or kind of authority figures like teachers shouted at them a lot in their childhood so they kind of default to assuming that they're going to get shouted out they're going to get in trouble um you're smiling as you say that because we weren't childhood friends but you probably can guess that as a child I was shouted at so much at school in fact it's my only memory of early school was just constantly being told off and shouted at well I also and I was quite goody two shoes, but I have memories of really, especially primary school. Um, I have memories of really, really strict teachers and kind of being in learning environments where if you making a mistake wasn't an option, making a mistake meant a punishment. And even, you know, I mean, most people will have kind of experienced the kind of like gold star black point system where if you do something wrong, you're on the naughty step or, you know, you get a black point, black dot on a chart and in the inverse of course being that you get a gold star and whatever so lots of us did grow up in those kinds of environments and then yeah of course um if you know if your parents or you know your guardians where it was would kind of tell you off then that also of course kind of isn't going to help this situation um but it doesn't you know it's not it's not just about whether or not you got told off when you were a kid because in a work context it can be the case that if you've had any experience of a boss getting cross with you or or kind of um either bullying you or sort of instilling fear in you that can become really really ingrained in your kind of work psyche basically Well, it's interesting you mentioned the childhood thing as well, because this is where I think that fear comes from. Because I remember as a child, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I didn't set out to cause trouble. So I might, I guess, as a questioner, check out the Gretchen Rubin episode, but I might say, I might think in my mind, I don't want to do that task because it makes no sense to me, you know, like drawing or whatever. But but, So I wasn't setting out to be troublesome when I got shouted at so often it would feel like a very confused experience and like I was misunderstood so it doesn't surprise me that I think that I might get in trouble when I haven't intentionally done something wrong well see that's really interesting because what I was what I wanted to kind of go into with you is whether or not you can pinpoint exactly you know if we're thinking about this kind of work context if we take the um, call from your editor can you pinpoint what you're actually afraid is going to happen because from what I can gather looking into this 
um, I'm scared of getting in trouble syndrome, it actually manifests in lots of different ways and actually is a symptom of different types of underlying fears. So what are you actually afraid of when you sort of see that missed call from an editor or you get you get an email that says, can I have a word? I guess I'm frightened that they're going to, I guess, tell me off. That's so weird. Yeah, tell me off. So it's funny you say that because um, when I was looking into this, I found that sort of the common things that people are actually scared of is fear of getting shouted at, which is exactly the same as, you know, getting told off. Um, There's also kind of fear of getting fired, fear of getting stabbed in the back um, by other colleagues. So it's not actually that you've got a fear of the authority figure, but it's actually the people around you. and then also another really common one, which is I think what I suffer from, is fear of being seen as a slacker or fear of being seen as lazy, which kind of really ties in with this um, why I was scared to ask for holiday days because I wouldn't want someone, I wouldn't want my boss to think that I was being lazy, even though, I, you know, as we say it out loud, we realise how bonkers it's it is. Exactly. That's why when I, when I, when you asked me, the words that came into my mind were telling off. And then I thought that's really embarrassing because... I don't, I don't, I don't actually fear being, I don't, I'm about to say I don't fear being told off, but I fear being told off. So what I mean is once I articulate it, it feels irrational, but that really is the leading emotion. I mean, you've, you've said that that's something that happened in your childhood. And yeah, of course I am no psychologist. So this is really me veering into true cod psychology here. Um, But of course, if things happen in your childhood that, you know, they get ingrained in your memory and it and you know if things happen when you're when you're an adult that kind of triggers that it really is your sort of inner child kind of coming out I also have worked for a boss who did lead by fear was a fear-led leader is that is that Mm -hmm. is that how you might phrase it and I remember at one point he was like you'll thank me for this when you're later down in your career you know I had poor attention to detail and all those other things that frustrated creatives have (laughs) so I'm just joking but I didn't have good attention to detail and he did train it in me but it was out of fear and I remember that if you sent an email to him internally this is an internal email with like a spelling mistake in it he you would get in you would actually get in trouble so it's actually quite reasonable and and oh and again it's that same thing with him sometimes I would get in trouble for stuff where I didn't intend to or set out like I'd be a misunderstanding or a mistake and again like it's almost like you have that thing from childhood but then I've also have evidence and people do get in trouble at work well so essentially what you're telling me is that you have experience of working in a fear-based workplace so that's something that's really important to distinguish here which is that some people who are scared of getting in trouble are scared of getting in trouble because there is actual evidence that they will get in trouble. So the fact that you had a boss who did shout at people and who did um, tell people off, there actually is a real fear there. So um, there are, you know, some signs that you might be working in a fear-based workplace are if everyone is nervous about losing their job. So it's not just you being scared of getting fired, it's that everyone is scared of getting of losing their jobs. Um, everyone wants to avoid blame 
And this can often manifest in people throwing each other under the bus. So I worked in places where that's happened, where there is no room for anyone to make a mistake and you're not allowed to make a mistake. So what happens is it's always someone else's fault. If you've messed something up, you will find any way to blame someone else for it. Um, Another kind of sign of a fear-based workplace is when your boss asks for blue sky thinking, but doesn't follow through with actually accepting any innovation or change. Um, Another really big sign is when employees disappear with no explanation. So someone kind of gets fired and there is a very, if there is an explanation, it's incredibly vague. I've, I've also, I've been in those places as well where in fact, actually it was someone who sat either next to me or directly opposite me, um, got called into a meeting room, came out, didn't say anything, packed up her things and just walked out. I mean, that kind of thing really does set that, that just instills fear in everyone around them. Um, and then other, another really big sign is if you work in a place where the best employees don't get promoted and if anything, they actually end up leaving. Um, so yeah, this is, I think it's really important to, to um, make this distinction because you may very well be afraid of getting in trouble because actually there is a real threat. Also, if you have worked in a toxic environment before and then you leave and go somewhere new, you may carry that fear to your new place. So for example, in your case where you, and you've basically described this, you've worked for someone who did used to shout at you. So you may go on to work in other places or for other people or clients or bosses, whoever it might be. And you may still have that latent fear that you will get shouted at. Or if, I don't know, you used to work somewhere where when you put in your request for time off or for holiday and your boss would make a face or kind of sort of say how inconvenienced they were, then you might go on to a new place and before you've even put in the holiday request, you might already be getting scared that you will get in trouble for that. And you're bringing, not necessarily through fault of your own, but you're bringing toxic behavior with you into the new place. So when you talked about the blame culture, that sounded familiar when I have worked in fear-based environments. And what makes me I've always been really shocked by that because I think values around A, compassion, B, be able to admit your mistakes so that you can learn and finally honesty are far more important values than perfection, which is not real. It's not possible for us to be perfect. But if you're coming from a fear-based place to a new place and you're blaming and and helping create, playing a role in continuing the bad cycle, basically, I think that's something to be aware of as well. Yeah. 100%. And also the other thing, so we've talked about how when you're afraid of getting trouble and it's real, um, the other big thing is when you're afraid of getting trouble and and it's imagined. So if the problem isn't your office and isn't the culture around you, then something else is going on. Um, and it might be the case that you're kind of, as we've described, you're bringing, you're sort of bringing up, you're bringing your hangups from tox- your previous toxic places into a new place. Or another thing that might, might be happening is work maybe causing you um, anxiety or stress um, that is maybe on a level that is becoming slightly unmanageable. Uh, because really when you think about it, anxiety is when your fight or flight switch gets triggered. And if that's happening in response to an imagined fear, that's really when there is kind of a cause for concern. 
Now, what's really interesting is that there's been a lot of discussion recently, especially in relation to burnout. And we did touch on this in our episode in season one on burnout. But there is a lot of discussion happening in the mental health community around whether or not work anxiety and things like burnout and specific work-related stresses are their own distinct diagnosis or whether they're just sort of part of a general anxiety disorder. Um, Either way, some kind of telltale signs about um, whether or not you have uh, anxiety in general are things like whether you feel um, jittery or excessively tired or you've got the shakes or you're kind of prone to dry mouth, uh, racing heart, sweating. um, And of course, the classic telltale sign of anxiety is excessive or irrational worrying now when we're thinking about specifically work-related stress or work-related anxiety some of the symptoms you might be experiencing um, are taking on an unusual amount of time off from work overreacting to situations on the job focusing too much on negative aspects of your job or an inability to concentrate or complete tasks so basically there is kind of a whole element to this where you know anxiety potentially is at play or something kind of bigger is at play whether that's um all the way at kind of a level where you you know you need to go and seek help or whether it's kind of more low grade and it's just kind of like a latent sense of anxiety so I do think that's really important to kind of pick up on absolutely and I'm thinking about last week's episode where we were told about how a lot of your fears were around uncertainty and for me because I am trying something that's so new my brain can't predict if I'll still have the ability to be able to do that in a few months definitely the podcast but I don't know about everything else um so again it's that same uncertainty which triggers those feelings because I don't know what's going to happen and the other thing you said is there might be other stress going on and then suddenly it comes out in that emotion when you get that email saying do you have time for a call so you almost put it off and then it comes out as that strong fear in that moment exactly so what can we do about it coming up next are some practical tips for how to overcome your fear of getting in trouble Hit me, Anna. Please, please, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Well, uh, the good news is there are lots of things you can do about a fear of getting in trouble. And the most important thing is actually just to notice the thoughts and uh, just to kind of figure out when this worry is happening and what triggers it. Even the exercise we just did where I asked you, what do you think is, what are you really scared of? Um, Even you simply articulating that you're scared of getting shouted at and saying that out loud is one step towards getting a kind of handle on the situation but uh, what you can do is you know maybe over the course of a week go through your week and if any of this stuff comes up either make a note of it whether actually kind of making a note of it or just kind of thinking to yourself that okay I've had this thought and I've got this fear of getting in trouble why is that what else is going on what has triggered it why is this happening that sounds great and I think as you say um 
just always be aware and making notes of how you're and checking in how you're feeling and reacting to work situations is a really important first step. So I've got another tip from you, which is based off of my very, very deep fear of flying. So for anyone who doesn't know, I have a terrible fear of flying to the point where I actually did a course on how to overcome my fear of flying. Now, something I learned on that course, I often apply to, I try to apply to all of my fears. And I got told on that course that when you're on a plane, you have to assume that everything is fine unless you are told otherwise. So in the case of the airplane, you have to sit on the plane and you must, you've got to think that everything is fine um, unless the air stewardesses or the pilot tells me otherwise, this flight is absolutely fine and totally safe. Now, thinking about that in terms of kind of a work context, essentially what you're trying to do is um, just rather than spiraling and thinking, for example, that when that editor wants that the editor wants to yell at you on the phone, you just have to assume that it's something else and it's something absolutely fine, and you just have to kind of try to change your thinking to default to it not being a problem unless you actually have evidence that there is a problem. And is that something that you find with flying that you constantly have to be practicing and working on? Yeah, definitely. Um, and and to be honest, you know, I will put my hands up and say this, that because my, I mean, I'm generally quite a sort of worrisome, fearful person in all aspects of my life, but my fear of flying is the most severe. And yeah, that is something that I have to actively and consciously spend the flight reminding myself of that in other areas of life it's something that I can just tell myself once and then it'll be like oh yeah that's fine um but no it's something that you have to practice that's the other thing I kind of think a lot about anything to do with sort of mindfulness good mental health practices all of this stuff it's it's something that you have to keep working at and it's not you know it's not something you just kind of say to yourself once and that's it you're cured got it so I will practice moving through life, presuming all is good unless I hear otherwise. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then related to that, you kind of need to also flip the script a little bit because very often when we think something is true, we look for evidence to support it, which is known as confirmation bias. So, um, you know, if we're thinking about the plane, for example, I might be sitting on the plane and I'm convinced that there's a problem with the plane. So if someone presses the bell to call for the flight attendant I actually think that that's some kind of secret code between the pilot and the um, air stewardesses when in fact actually that's just my confirmation bias just telling me something that's not actually true Um, now in a sort of a more work-based example uh, you might for example suspect that someone is trying to keep you from getting promoted and so you're going to look for evidence that confirms that belief So maybe you're in a meeting with them and they accidentally cut you short when you're speaking. You may interpret that as evidence that they're trying to undermine you when actually maybe they're just generally rude and don't know, (laughs) not very good at kind of, um, and they just interrupt people in general. So yeah, you kind of be aware again that you might be seeking evidence and you might be gathering evidence that actually is not, is not real. That play into the narrative that you've created. Exactly. I think we all... We all do it. We all do it and we should be aware and try and do it less. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then my last tip is, um, especially for people who, well, no, for anyone, doesn't really matter how you work, whether you work for yourself or whether you work in an office, is to find work allies that you can talk things through with. So when we were talking about 
um, being in kind of toxic environments or fear-based workplaces, it's really important to be talking with your colleagues because if actually the problem is the work, is the office, is the, is the culture, if you're talking to other people and actually everyone else is scared, then you know that actually your fears are legitimate. But if on the other on the other hand, you find out that no, no one else is scared of losing their job or no one else is scared of getting in trouble, then maybe actually the problem is something else. Maybe there's something else going on with you. Um, and then, you know, you can turn to your colleagues for support and um, to talk things through with them. And as I said, with my original example, if, it, if you hadn't been there, to help me and guide me, then I wouldn't have been able to identify my problem and also manage it so I could feel better. How do you feel now? I feel like no one's ever going to tell me off ever again. <laughs> and I can't wait to, uh, at the age of 31 or however old I am, to now continue the rest of my life not being told off. Brilliant. <laughs> my job here is done. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Um, If you want to talk to us more about your work-based fears or things that you're scared of, you can find us um, on Instagram. I'm at Anna Codd and you are, Tiffany? I'm at Tiff Philippou. Please do share, talk about the episode, help us get the word out there. It will really help us be able to continue to solve work problems and talk about such great issues as these and also let us know what you want to hear about and what's going on in your working lives so we can make sure that we're creating content that's important to you thank you bye